Welcome to the Empowerment Podcast, where empowerment is done from within. In this podcast, we focus on bringing you strategies, tools, and techniques that you can apply in your life and in your business to increase your bank balance and improve the quality of your life. My name is Kara, and I'll be your host, taking you through conversations that will help you identify and connect with your unique gifts and talents so that you can stand in your power as you go after your goals and your dreams. Welcome, my friend Dominic Maria, one more time to the Empowerment Podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. I know we have a lot to catch up on, so I'm just going to let you talk because this is, I know you have such amazing um, things that have been going on in your life that, uh, you know, are very inspiring and very motivating. So hit it. Well, I'm stoked to be back. It was, uh, I've been meaning to, meaning to have another, uh, another deep conversation with you since our last one. And I'm glad we made time for it. No, you said you just got back from Ghana, right? We were, we started talking. Yeah. And so fill me in. Yeah, so I just got back. I spent the majority of January in Ghana. And basically, uh, you know, it was funny because I had, <laughs> oddly enough, I had three friends from the States that were all going to be there at different times during the month. So I kind of just overlapped with everybody. But a couple of those people were collaborators that I'm working on projects with. So we had a good opportunity to do some, some R&D on some, some exciting projects that we're putting together. And yeah, I mean, basically got there and we started working immediately with a, uh, a wheelchair racing team there. I, I'm a creative strategist with, a, with one of the labs out of Yale. It's called the Sports Equity Lab. And they basically uh-huh. do research on, uh, they do qualitative and quantitative research on abuse and harassment inside of professional athletic environments. And basically how to, what we're uncovering is how to use that data to create more equity in sport, and how to use sport to create more equity in the world in terms of you know, how we relate to each other. And disabled athletes in particular are much more likely to experience uh, harassment and abuse in their, in their careers. And so we have partnered with a team over there called uh, the Go Get Em uh, wheelchair racing team. And they're all, I mean, most of them have world championship medals. They're, they're incredible athletes. They're incredible yeah. people. They're incredible leaders. And it was, uh, I mean, it was a crazy enlightening blessing to be able to sit with, with this group of elite athletes and talk about, you know, their experience and, and suggestions that they have for the sports world. Um, it was really cool. So we got to, got to know them, got to shoot with them. And that was just the first weekend I was there. <laughs> so it was That's amazing. I was just going to get deeper from there. Wow. And so, so you're saying that they're, they're victims of abuse? Like, how? So a lot of, a lot of athletes, particularly um, athletes that are, you know, competing in Paralympic sports or Paralympic uh, activities, they, there's, there's an added vulnerability because simply due to accessibility um, there's a lot, there's a lot of vulnerabilities that, that they'll experience. And, you know, in different, uh, in different communities around the world, there's different forms that, that harassment and abuse will take. So someone, you know, one of our, um, one of our friends, Raphael over there mentioned, you know, a, a moment where 
he won a competition, but they didn't want to give him the, uh, the, you know, the prize money. And the, the reason being was, you know, what they basically asked him, what are you, what are you, why do you need this money? Like, what are you going to do with it? And his response was, uh, I earned it, <laughs> you know, what yeah, I mean? yeah. It, but it's that simple. It's simple things like that, where, you know, there are people that are going to just assert some level of, or try to assert some level of dominance for, you know, just for the sake of their own, their own gain. So that, that's one of many forms that it takes. It takes place, you know, coaches to athletes, uh, athletes to athletes, hazing, things like that. And right. this is a world that I've been, you know, I would say marginally aware of just through some of the headlines that are coming out in recent years. But the extent to which it's baked into the culture of a lot of sport didn't really occur to me until I started um, – meeting with uh, Dr. Yetza Twakli, who runs this, runs this lab. And as she was telling me a lot of this data, I was just like, man, we got to start working on some creative around this. <laughs> so that's kind of what we did. That's amazing. What even propelled you to go over? I mean, I get that you were doing this with your friends and things like that, but um, just how, that, how you got led to that. The, the reason that I originally started looking at going to Ghana was just an overall sort of like West African connection. My, my youngest two brothers are both adopted from Liberia, which is, you know, one of Ghana's neighboring countries. And they came to live with us when they were eight and 10 years old. And I, I think I, I was 15, I think. And we, uh, you know, we really bonded over our love of films, particularly like big, big epic films like The Lord of the Rings. We always just had like a, you know, sort of a dramatic bent <laughs> to what we like to watch. So uh, we started writing a show together years ago, and it, the show is called Pride Land. And uh, we, we basically, we knew that we were always going to have to go do some like boots on the ground research, but, you know, it, the, the, sort of basic skeleton of the show was based on some of the folk tales and some of the mythology that Zeke and John, my, my two brothers, had been sort of exposed to. So, um, you know, fast forward a few years, we've been working on this show since 2016. We've got some cool partners connected to it now. And so we're really trying to just get things moving. And I happen to be friends with some really great people in the, uh, in the film industry in, in Ghana. And one of our co-producers on this project is named Essie Yamwa. And she spent several years um, really helping to foster and launch sort of the modern day uh, Ghanaian film industry. So like I said, there were a few people that were gonna be in Ghana while I was there. And she was one of those people and she's helping us produce this project. So. Um, we basically, we had this incredible opportunity to travel from Accra, where we were staying, to a city called Kumasi. And if Accra is kind of the, the melting pot, you know, uh, tourist area in, in Ghana, Kumasi is much the opposite. It's, it's sort of the cultural hub, the cultural center of, of Ghana. And mm -hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of very traditional um, culture there still, and it was it was incredible to see. And through friends of friends, we were able to get introduced to um, certain members of of like of the king's family, the royal family, and they were just incredibly lovely people and showed us all around the city and gave us so many resources and recommendations. 
And we had this really cool moment where, I mean, the research was deep and it was extremely, extremely productive for the project. But also we had this moment where we went to, um, we went to this lake called Lake Bosom Tree. And you have to drive, you know, maybe an hour, an hour and a half down this crazy, dusty, unpaved road. And <laughs> everyone told us, make sure we hired a car with, uh, with air conditioning so we could put the windows <laughs> up because it was, it's that dusty. And at the end of this dirt road, you get to like this, this ravine and you have to start going down into the, in, like through this, I wouldn't necessarily call it jungle, but it's more of a forest. You kind of go down uh, into this canyon and at the very bottom there is this lake and it's, it's gorgeous. It was uh, the season we were in, it was called Hamatan, which is a very foggy season in Ghana. And so we get to the bottom we get to this lake and it's covered in this haze and it's just like you look out on this water and it feels like you know it feels like the edge of the earth right it turns out you know that you can see the other side on a clear day but it just feels vast and the local chiefs there were telling us about the lake and it turns out this lake is they say it's 1.07 million years old and it was formed by a meteor strike and it's actually, um, it's an earth well. So there's no streams or rivers. It's actually stagnant water, technically, but it's refilled from, from its source 200 meters down, uh, which is just a hole in the earth where this meteorite strike happened. And it's this, it's a beautiful place. We decided to get in and swim. There's no harmful bacteria in the water. There's no crocodiles. There's no predatory fish. It's just like a little oasis. So we, we got in the water, we're swimming around, having a good time. And, and then I just had this moment where I was looking around and I'm in this lake and the, the wind is kind of kicking up over the surface of the lake and it's starting to get, you know, these little waves on the surface. And I just started this very quiet meditation there. And what happened and I think, I think you'll appreciate this, which is why I'm going to go on this tangent here. What happened in this meditation was that I started thinking about all of the things that I needed, quote unquote, needed in my life. And I started just sorting through these thoughts, which were, you know, I need, I need this kind of project. I need this kind of, you know, this kind of house, this kind of whatever, this kind of work. And I realized that none of that was actually true because I was in a lake in the middle of, you know, nowhere in Ghana, <laughs> and that was everything, <laughs> you know, it was like everything yeah. in that moment. And I just let it all go. Like everything that started with the words I need, I let go in Lake Bozen mm. Tree outside of Kamasi. I love that. Like you made me, I was like literally in the lake with you just now. So thank you for that experience. Awesome. That's amazing. I'll and, send you a photo. You know, please do, please do. And um, I'm just going to um, really connect with you on this one because recently I did, um, you know, I had a, a not, um, I wasn't in a lake. I went to Palm Springs for this, um, retreat and it was uh 
it was a cleanse and you know just really letting go of things that no longer served me you know uh, cleansing my body it was a mind body soul type of thing and um i i found myself in that meditative moment where i you know, not only was I so grateful for being in the space that I was in with all the people that I was in and doing the work that I was in, but we got to a point where, you know, they were telling us, okay, now we're going to do our vision boards. And I'm sitting there, you know, looking at all of these magazines and I don't have anything to clip out of it. Like, I don't need any of it. Like the stuff that I used to put on vision boards, the house, the, you know, the amount of money and, you know, the, the trips and all of that. I'm just sitting there. Like the only thing I could find were just words like gratitude, health, peace, you know? And it's like, (laughs) oh my God, how my priorities have changed. You know, that's all I really want in my life is just this here and now, this being able to be and to to be able to have eyes to see what I see and to be able to love the people that I get to love and to have the relationship and the connections that I have. And that's it. That's where that's it's so amazing that you can be in that space because it's really that's what it's all about. That's life. Yeah. Isn't it, it? Those, those moments are such a, a punctuation of that. But I do have a question for you. Um, how do you manage and this is something that I, I actively sort of like kind of meditate on right now is because I feel so content in those moments. I feel really, I feel really centered in those moments, but how do you balance that? And how have you built practices to balance um, that type of gratitude, that type of presence with also still having, bearing in mind the sort of aspirational attitude toward things like, you know, your, your new movements and work and your new, new, new projects, things like that. Well, I think that the greatest gift that um, I have given myself through all of the healing work that I've been doing and really coming back to the essence of who I am is, um, is really allowing myself to show up powerfully out here um, unencumbered, untethered um, by the um, the old stories and all of the, the things that I thought I needed. And so um, by doing that and now wanting to be that powerful contribution out there, like it makes my aspirations are actually um, driving me to be more and do more um, and, and continue to, to excavate this, this, this essence out of myself that is, you know, and shedding all of the shit that no longer serves me, you know, for me to be able to move forward and walk into my power, walk into my calling and, and charge towards all of those aspirations, but not doing it for anything other than the actualization of myself and being that contribution. It's not about the money. It's not about the, the cars. It's not about all of this other, you know, all these other fringe benefits, so to speak, that come with it. Those things just start, they just show up, you know, it's like people don't get it. The more you work for it, like you're grinding for it, the more really, you know, it's like a chase. You're chasing things. You know, I shifted from chasing success and chasing these aspirations to really being the kind of person who can step into them. And then they just start coming at me. They're chasing me down. The money's chasing me down. The dreams are coming to me because I am now this version of, of myself that 
can really live those things out. And so the work has, has always been with you. And so, you know, I think that that space is actually how your aspirations, um, you know, come to pass naturally and, and easily and, and gracefully versus this push and this grind and this wanting to make it happen. You know, I don't have to make shit happen. Shit just happens. You know, it's like it's yeah. just, it naturally happens because of that state that I'm in and, and my reason for doing it having shifted, my reason not being anything selfish whatsoever, my reason just being 100% actualizing myself and being the contribution that I, you know, just really being the best branch of the tree that I can be. And then all of the other stuff just flows, if that makes sense. Well, thanks for tuning in today to the Empowerment Podcast. Uh, <laughs> drop the mic. <laughs> that, was but, uh, you know, that was an epic but, run. Yeah, I, I just had to, I mean, it just came out. But you feel me, you know, going after your aspirations and being in that space are very reconcilable and they're reconcilable because they're one and the same. And that is what the work is is to continue to become the version of yourself that these things that you want to actualize out here, they're begging to come in and just come and download into your experience. I think it's interesting because in the book that we've shared, um, The Illusion of Money, we've spoken about before, you know, he, he gives the example of feeling really empowered the first time he was able to turn down a big deal with a lot of money because it wasn't in alignment with who he, who he is, who he felt as though he was, you know, becoming. And isn't it funny that we think that chasing money, like eventually will catch up to it or chasing, you know, a certain type of success that eventually will catch up to it and we'll be able to like wrestle it into submission. And yet when right. we, change our, we change our framework and change our intentions toward being producers, being productive, life-giving, you know, contributions, then those things start chasing us down and, and a form of empowerment is being able to walk away from things that aren't in alignment. Just like the money, the success, things are going to run away from you. There are other things that we are not, like when our values shift, we're not going to see the same way. We're going to attract differently. And that is one of my, it's always been one of my prayers. Um, you know, I've always wanted to make a lot of money and do all of this stuff. And I would pray to God and I'd say, God, you know, I want all of these things, but please don't give them to me a minute earlier than I'm ready for them because I wouldn't want to just squander those blessings. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and thank God I prayed that prayer because when these things did come and these things continue to come into my life in a timely manner, I'm, I'm able to handle them and I'm not coming from a place of, you know, I'm coming from the right place to be able to really properly handle those blessings. And, you know, I think that it's so important that we get that, you know, the work ultimately is to align ourselves first. It's yeah. not, it's not the thing that you're chasing. You're ch chasing how you will feel. Figure out what is it that you're really looking for. What are we looking for? We're looking for fulfillment. 
We're looking yes. for, for happiness. We're looking for satisfaction. We're looking for bliss. That's what you're looking for. You're not looking for the car. You're not looking for, you know, any of that. You're looking for that feeling of, you know, yeah, I did it. And I, I set out to do this and I created it and look at the impact. And so if that's really what you're doing it for, align yourself with that. I can't yeah. tell you how many, like, how the hell did this happen moments I've had this past year because of how much I've placed myself in alignment with, you know, those things that I do want in my life. And now it's like, it just flows. It really, it really works. Yeah. I, I love, I love that. I had an opportunity. Um, one of the, one of my friends in Ghana is a guy named Daniel and he was helping me out one day. We brought him on, on a shoot and we were dri We had to drive like an hour out of town to, to do this. And so we're just like making small talk. I don't know him that well, a little bit of a language barrier, but we're, we're having a good time. And we started talking about meditation and he tells me that he has never meditated before, but he wanted to learn how. So I basically just kind of walked him through this simple meditation that I've done before. And, you know, it's so powerful, the, the amount of learning you can do by teaching. It's actually a very humbling thing to do to, to like to teach something because of the, um, the awareness that it brings when you're trying to walk somebody through sort of an authentic experience, doing things in a very thorough way. So I'm walking him through this meditation and the meditation is very simple. It's a visualization uh, of, of success, right? So you visualize what it actually looks like and feels like to have a certain amount of money in your hand, to, to live in a certain kind of house, to drive a certain kind of car, whatever these, these things are, whatever these icons are to you, what does it feel like to actually be touching and interacting with them? And you know that feeling of happiness or that feeling of contentment that you talk about that we're all chasing you know, you can, you can feel that in that moment. But the turn in this meditation is hold on to that feeling, that contentment, that happiness, whatever it is that, you know, that you're, that's eluding you, that you're after, hold on to that feeling. And now change the visualization so that your hand is empty, but you still have the contentment. So the place that you're living, yes. not some aspirational house, it's where you live now but you're still content and happy. And it's, it's, it's a total reframing of what success can mean. And it's also a really vivid picture of how happiness lives in the mind and how we can cultivate those deeper levels of ourselves to be more grateful, to be content, to only do things that are fulfilling. And to, to realize that you don't have to put off your happiness till, you know, you've been working your ass off for 30 years. Like <laughs> your happiness is inside of you. You need no, to go into your happiness. It's, it's inside of you. And let me tell you something. It's in your relationships. It's in the love that you feel. It's in your health. You know, your happiness is like a plant. You know, you got to keep yes. watering that shit every day. <laughs> yeah. Like you've got to water it every, it's not something that you can give anyone else the responsibility to water for you. You cannot yeah. do that because if that person leaves or that person chooses that, you know, they're not going to do it for you again, you're fucked. And it's like, no, I have to do this for myself. And, um, from that space, 
then you are what I call emotionally independent. And when yes. you're emotionally independent, you don't have to bleed on people, you know, all the time because of your own rackets and your own, you know, dramas. You can really be whole. And so totally. that's super important. And this is, I love that you talked about, you know, feeling that feeling and that exercise both with and without because it's what it is the feeling is not attached to anything other than you yes exactly that's the yes. real lesson that's, that's cool. the real yes. lesson is it's it's all inside and it's funny because it's like you have to i love the word that you used earlier it is excavation like there is a deep well of joy and happiness under all this shit that we've been stacking on ourselves on our egos and our identities for <laughs> you know however long we've been alive and the you know outsourcing your happiness to others or outsourcing your fulfillment to others is is disempower it's so disempowering and scary for you scary. to have yeah for you to have the ability to just be full and to, to just be i mean that's that's really the feeling that i think everyone is after is not needing to need anymore and everything else is supplemental Correct. And you can really appreciate the everything else from a space of gratitude versus entitlement. Ah, yes. I, right. I now have filled my own cup. I'm whole. And now, yes, I am going to go and still have, you know, want these things from a place of gratitude and not from a place of desperation and need. So it's like, it gives you a complete different, you know, perspective of how you approach, you know, life and relationships because you're whole and you're not out here requesting shit from people so that you can fill the, you know, to patch up the holes of your tire, so to speak. Right. Yeah. No, that's yeah. just a breeding ground for codependency and, and, and trauma. Because when your expectations there are so, so elevated and so specific that, you know, anything less than a pass is a fail. It's just, uh, I mean, it, I've, I've lived that life. <laughs> I've been in that relationship, you know, like it's, it's happened. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll just be really real. I had a dream recently um, and it involved uh, one of my exes and we were basically, I had this incredible opportunity to interact <laughs> through this dream. It was massively uncomfortable, but I was interacting with, in the dream, my ex and someone she was dating. And we were like on a road trip together. So it was extremely like close quarters and just very uncomfortable for me. What I realized is I started critiquing the behaviors of this guy who was dating my ex-girlfriend. And I started picking apart all the things that I like didn't align with in the way that he presented himself. I thought he was weak. I thought he was codependent. I thought he was, you know, I thought he was needy and emotionally uh, had a lot of emotional baggage and all these things. And I was judging him in this dream. And I'm going through the, all these emotions of judging him in this dream. And then I realized, that, you know, the whole, the whole like framework was, I was thinking she's better than this. She shouldn't need to date someone like this. What does she see in him? I'm asking all these questions. And then I realized so many of the things that I was judging in that and this guy were things that I used to be. And I have been that person. 
before. And it gave me, first off, a lot of grace uh, presented itself to me for myself and looking at, you know, where I've been and where I've come. And also we have to be responsible for, for ourselves and for our development. And it's, it's all about these sort of emotional and these values alignments. And when we take responsibility for ourselves, relationships can become a space of freedom, not restriction, right? Like my life is geared right now toward everything I do being an opportunity for more and more freedom, more and more expression, not, not less. And though, you know, we need to be in space right. with, with people that will support that journey and whose journey we can equally support in that way. It is absolutely your responsibility to be whole and complete when you show up into these relationships and yes. always have the lens on yourself versus wanting to pass the buck to someone else because most likely it's you. It really is. <laughs> yeah, the problem is you. <laughs> the problem is likely, with you. The problem is you 99% of the time. And if it's with the other person, it's still with you because you're the one who's in that person's space when you could easily excuse yourself. You're in their space or you're judging them or you're expecting things that aren't reality from them. It's all well, the inner all right. work. So it's excuse, work. excuse yourself from the situation. Yeah. I really wanted to, sh to have you share your story because as I had told you, um, for me, I thought you had a most powerful story and it was mm. funny because when I said that to you, you seemed to not think so. And I was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you, have, you have such a powerful story. So can you just, because, you know, we've had, a, this is our second time together. And I really want um, the listeners to get a little background on who you are. Yes, you are this creative genius and all that good stuff. But <laughs> what brought you there? What led you to doing this stuff that you do? Because I think... Um, it's important for people to really connect with that. Your, your backstory, your, your, what we call your origin story is so important because, yeah. you know, you, we say things to people and they really need to know the vessel that they're coming out of. Yeah, no worries. No, I'm happy to. And I, I'm, I'm honored that you asked. And I think it's funny because your whole point about understanding the vessel that some of these things are coming from, I think I've underplayed the value of that in my life. I didn't understand for a long time how important it can be for um for establishing my approach and i think honestly kara i learned that a lot from from hearing like your story and exploring your story and chuck's story in our show the the power of the the transformation is what's really the compelling part and so i yeah i i'm happy to share i i think it really begins when i was i was young i was a middle i grew up as a middle child and so I was used to like, I was used to kind of threading the needle. <laughs> you know, I wasn't really, I wasn't, I wasn't always with my older brother. I wasn't always with my younger brother. They had friends that were, you know, each their ages. And I always felt like I kind of didn't really know where I fit in with, with the crowd. And I think that that's probably a pretty common thing uh, among creative people is regardless of what, like where you started, like fit, like not everyone really feels like they fit in with the crowd. When I was 10 years old, I uh, I was really interested in The Lord of the Rings. It was my favorite film. 
and we rented uh one of them was released on vhs and we rented it with some friends and had such a good time um watching it that uh one of my friend's parents handed us a video camera and said why don't you guys go make your uh make your own movie since you guys are having such a good time with this and we basically just picked up that camera and started shooting and that was every weekend then for like the rest of forever <laughs> was picking up cameras and going and shooting things so when i uh a couple years after that event i was 12 or 13 my family moved i had grown up in in arizona and my family moved to uh charleston south carolina and started um you know it basically was like the high school years and we didn't know anyone and you know it was all that stuff so my brothers and I would just make films uh, as, as our hobby. We filled all of our free time with that. And that eventually led us to start a little production company. <clears throat> what happened through that is I got the opportunity to, do, uh, to make a lot of different types of projects. And I realized that I wanted to move to Los Angeles and do, you know, do the entertainment thing. And a month after I made that decision, I was riding through downtown Charleston on my bicycle and I got hit by a car. And uh, it basically just completely stopped my whole plan in its tracks because I had saved up all this money. I was working. Um, I had been working for Apple and then I had been working freelance jobs on the side. Basically, I was on my bike, had all my lights on. Everything was as it should be. And I was going straight through a green light and a Toyota 4Runner turned left in front of me and just because he didn't see me. And... Uh, fractured my skull and lost all my front teeth and got really banged up like yeah. that's just like it throws you for a loop like that was just like not an unexpected you know turn of events like what no yeah yeah well and it, the whole way that it happened was such a metaphor for life at the time i was literally like doing my shit i was on my i had this little vintage single speed bicycle and i was zipping through a green light and you know took an suv to the face it's like you're never expecting that. I was, I was ready to, I had all this money saved up. I was ready to move to Los Angeles. I was going to go do the entertainment thing. And next thing I know, I'm literally like spread across the asphalt, picking up particles of my teeth off the street. And it was just this insane experience. And the, the real, the real difficulty set in because I mean, obviously it's extremely traumatic, but the real difficulty set in on the financial side because all of this money I had saved up to move and to live uh, was gone in, the, in a matter of two weeks with the, uh, all the medical bills that came from that. From that point on, it was basically a sprint to not, <laughs> to not run out of money. There were two times within that two and a half year period that I had less than $200 to my name. And it was, you know, when you, when you've been saving, you know, saving money, at, you know, for as long as you can remember when you've been like trying to prepare yourself to be a functional adult in the world. And this kind of thing happens. It's just extremely like troubling. And derailing. I had a really hard time. Yeah, it was totally derailing. Yeah. And I got, that was a very, it was, I mean, truth be told, it was an extremely dark time for me. I definitely struggled with suicidal thoughts at times. I was very depressed. I had a really bad, I knew that I needed counseling. I knew, knew that I needed therapy. And I had a really bad first experience with that. Very like judgmental, <laughs> very bad counselor. The first time I went in for counseling 
And so that kept me away from pursuing that, um, which for anyone listening, um, there are some really great therapists out there. So keep trying, even if you don't have a good experience, because it's so worth it when you can find, you know, the right fit. I really just like started trying to put the pieces together. But the other thing that was happening was I was still working a day job at the time. And I was getting so antsy to be making uh, to be making films more frequently that even though I was dealing with a lot of the financial burden of that experience, I ended up still uh, quitting my job about six months after the accident happened to to pursue uh, running this this uh, commercial production company with my brother. And so that was a crazy leap of faith that happened in the middle of it. But this is where this shit starts to get crazy <laughs> because we start doing uh, every job we could get. Like we were just trying to get this company going. And so we're pursuing every piece of work that we can get our hands on. And so for two years, instead of, you know, moving to Los Angeles and starting to work my way into the industry with a few little short films I had uh, for two years, I basically spent the, that time making films, making commercials. And I, instead of having, two or three little short films that I had made, I ended up having two dozen, you know, projects under my belt um, as a commercial director, as a producer, um, leading campaigns as a creative director, different experiences that I would have never had if I hadn't, you know, first off, been hit by a car and second off, quit my job in a really difficult financial time. Oh, you mean that life happened? Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right. my, my friend Kara told me one time, life happens for you, not to you. So. And not to you, exactly. <laughs> and it's so, like, so. It's, it's the most derailing situations that take you in the direction that your life really is to go, is supposed to go. It was not what you wanted. And it was like, fuck, this is not what I, you know, this is not what I had planned. But once you were able to turn that corner and really just pick up the pieces and say, okay, you know what? This is what is. And I'm just going to go ahead and, and keep pressing on. It took you yeah. in, the, in the direction that you were really supposed to go, which has led you here, right? Yeah. During those two years that I was directing commercials with my brother, I, uh, we, we did a deal with a publishing company called Advantage Media, where we were making content for a lot of their authors and a lot of their authors' you know, materials. And through this connection with this publishing company, we, got, uh, we, we booked a job with a gentleman by the name of Chuck Garcia in New York. <laughs> oh, I don't know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you've heard of him. And, I kind of, uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, and, and so we did a job with Chuck years and years ago, and, and it was such a beautiful experience, and he was such a great collaborator that we just stayed in touch. And over the course of several years, you know, things happened like the, uh, the accident settlement finally happened. I moved to Los Angeles. I started working in originals. I was writing screenplays with producers. I was, you know, continuing to do commercials um, on the side. I was started to you know, I'm, I'm going to abbreviate some of this, but I was with an agency in LA for, for a while. Uh, and it, I got that connection right when I first got out there and, and it was, it happened a lot faster than I would have expected, but then it also ended a lot faster than I would have expected <laughs> as the agency went under. So I, I was basically in this space where I was going to either pursue going to another agency and being on their roster as a director and doing more commercials or that was the invitation. Once again, another major derailment. That was the invitation to do this original content thing 
that I went out there to do. And so I started that up and I started talking with different people in my world about different projects to put together, different types of shows, different movies that I, you know, either had good scripts for or had good writers that were, you know, ready to, to make some stuff happen. And finally, the, one of the projects that really kind of came to life and stuck was when I called Chuck and I said, let's try to, you know, let's figure out how we can do something original as an adaptation of your book <laughs> that we did the, the launch film for years and years ago. And that's when uh, we started developing the show last, you know, last year, Climb to the Top. And that's how I know you. Yes. <laughs> and how amazing was that journey, right? Oh, filled, crazy. With, <laughs> filled with crazy derailment, but yet, and I'm so glad you went through all that because otherwise you and I would have never connected. And oh my God, am I glad that I was able to connect with such a beautiful soul that you are. And so like, this is, this is what people really need to get. And it is that, you know, life is just a series of events. It's a journey that, you know, we, we plan it. You know, they say that um, men make plans or whatever, and God laughs because right. it's like, <laughs> you really think that's how it's going to go down? Okay. Right. Yeah. But it's if so you real, though. can be open, <laughs> so freaking real. If you can be open to the fact that, yeah, it's not going to go as planned, but it's going to be better than planned. Although the sequence of events are going to really test your faith. They're really going to test how bad you really want things. Uh, and you just got to pass those tests and then you will get to the next level and ascend and ascend all the way to where you really are to, to um, go. And that's how, like I said to you, for me, I get that my aspirations there, the more I keep saying yes to the events in my life, this is ultimately what you wanted to do. And it came to right. you. It came in the least, in the least expected way. <laughs> Not you, a nice package. Yeah. Not exactly. a nice package. You know, you had to lose your teeth for it. But wasn't the like, Amazon no Amazon two day shipping over here? No, this is this ain't no prime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is not prime, but yet, wow, what a story, right? How like yeah. I'm sure you wouldn't you wouldn't swap that journey for anything else, would you? No, and it took several years to get to that point, right? It took, I had all this attachment to the trauma. I had all this attachment to the pain instead of allowing myself to feel it and to really be in it and to be, to, you know, find whatever gratitude I could in those moments. It was all about fighting and it was all about resistance. And I had this battle mentality and this victim mentality. And that was honestly the worst part of it. You know, the, the mental game that I was not, uh, I wasn't prepared to play on that level. And the interesting thing is I still wouldn't be if I hadn't gone through those moments. And I like yeah. what you said about faith because I had a moment, this goes back to this trip I just got back from, uh, from being in Ghana. I, I was looking, I was, you know, just trying to understand uh, some of the, the history better because I wasn't all that familiar with, you know, Ghana's history. It's a very, it's got a very long history uh, thousands and thousands of years of, you know, ancient, ancient kingdoms and stuff that have been part of Ghana's uh, sort of modern history. And I was looking at, you know, they have a few, like, real um, staple goods that have always been a part of their economy. Gold is a big one. 
and another one is um, cocoa. And so I, I had never really seen cocoa trees in person. I've never been somewhere that they, that cocoa grows, but I started looking at this cocoa tree. And when you, when you say that, you know, happiness is like a plant that you have to water, there is so much that we can learn from, from plants, from nature, from like watching how trees grow. They spend their lives going against gravity, like one day at a time. And there's so much beauty to them. So I'm like kind of meditating on this cocoa tree that's across the street from this, this place that I'm staying in Ghana. And I ended up getting a, uh, a, cocoa, a cocoa branch tattooed on my forearm because it was a very deep meditation. Cocoa has been one of the most valuable products in Ghana's economy for a very long time. And yet cocoa, when you plant it, takes five years to even bear fruit. Wow. And, and yet, you know that it's cocoa. Like every country in the world sells cocoa, sells chocolate, sells, you know, like there's not a place in the world where you can't get it. We have, when we're talking about faith, there's, yeah. a, pa there's a patience that's inherent to doing, to making a long-term investment in something, to operating out of the faith that in five years or whatever the timeline is, you're going to have cocoa. So tend to it, like take care of it because at the end of whatever season yeah. this is, it's there. And in the meantime, it's just growth. And like, you've got to be there for that. This is I the know, good so shit, it cool. but it never <laughs> fails with you. <laughs> well, I can say the same, I can say the same you. of you. And I, I love, same of I you. knew that. And so um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and really um, seeing things for what they are and being able to appreciate this journey um, and really giving people something that they can look to um, to be able to cause their own transformation and be able to accept also um, how things are playing out. Because I think that that's the, you know, the, 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 the source of suffering really in this world is resisting what is so. It's not yeah. being okay with the fact that things are playing out um, differently than how you know we may have hoped them to play out. I mean, in my case, you know my story. Like things yeah. just did not play out the way I would have wanted things to play out. But am I so? I'm so grateful that they yeah. played out this way because look at look at the woman that I've become. I would have never been her had I not gone through had I not gone through these um these woes and and climb these mountains and so amazing thank you so well, so so much thank you for having me i mean it's it's a blessing to be um to be able to share so much of these you know i feel like you get to share bits and pieces but to be able to share you know kind of the bulk of the of the journey has been a real blessing it it it's a blessing for me to be able to reflect on those things and to see kind of where, <laughs> where things are now. And that's part of the practice of, you know, the acceptance. And I have to say, I mean, your, your story and being able to dig into your story in a climb to the top, the way we have, which for, for your listeners, um, keep your ear to the ground on, on our show because it should be coming your way soon. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's amazing to see someone practice what they preach the way that you do. And you're, you lead by example, 
and you're a strong leader. And I really appreciate the way that you have opened yourself and shared so much of your story as well. And of course, now invited me to share share more of mine. I, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for saying that. Um, of course. Yeah, I think that this is just the beginning of so many great things. So y'all stay tuned because he'll be back again. <laughs> stay tuned. Watch out. Yes. Watch back. Thank you. Much love and light to you, my friend. Thank you. Too, you too, Kara. So good to talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. You were just listening to the Empowerment Podcast, where empowerment is done from within. Tune in every Monday for your dose of empowerment with Kara. Be sure to leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends and family on social media. Don't forget to tag me at Kara Vaval Ferrier.